0: You're listening to Boston Strongcast, a place where we talk all things powerlifting, strength, and the occasional scientific nerd session. I'm your host, Kevin Can, the owner of Precision Powerlifting Systems, strength coach and competitive powerlifter in the USAPL. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get stronger together. Hey guys, this is Kevin Can with Boston Strongcast. I'm joined today by arguably the most accomplished strength athlete in America, um you know what's sad is i said your name to some of my lifters i'm gonna everybody listening now i'm gonna um keep them guessing who it is and they had to look you up and it literally they can tell me the total of some moderately strong 20 year old junior but they didn't know who shane hammond a multiple time world competitor in powerlifting world champ in powerlifting and a two-time olympian in uh the lesser of this strength sports weightlifting, but, uh, we'll let that, we'll let that slide. So, uh, <laughs> I actually, I had uh Caleb Williams on the podcast last week or the week before, and he had a kind of a similar row. you two are the only two that I know that actually, um, had that high level of success in powerlifting and then followed it up, um, with the weightlifting stuff. But you actually, uh, two-time Olympian. And I mean, that's just some like longevity. There's some experience and perspective there. Um, And maybe you could just start by, maybe start at the beginning, like how you got into powerlifting, what made you switch to chasing an Olympic dream, and we'll just take it from there.
1: Okay, well, I mean, it really all started in high school, in off-season football, and it was my freshman year, and uh, after football season, we we got into, you know, we had to go in the gym and start lifting. It was my first time to ever lift weights, and so, uh, you know, I had been lifting stuff on the farm, you know, all kinds of stuff, but never really waits and so anyway we went in there and we had to max out in the bench and squat to get our you know to be able to work off our our max percentages and all that stuff and so the first time I, I did it I, I did a, a 315 bench and a 500 pound squat
0: holy shit
1: and so and so uh you know that was kind of the first time because everybody's making a big deal about that's the first time that I realized that that you know I was kind of strong and stuff (laughs) so you know people everyone's commenting about the coaches like wow that's a lot of weight and stuff and so you know whenever you realize something like that or me when I realized that I was like man that's something I want to I want to really work on harder and so anyway that's kind of where it all started was my freshman year I played football for one more year and After my sophomore season of football, I was in training, and I decided that I wanted to – because everything – I was getting stronger, so I decided that I really wanted to start pursuing the powerlifting. Um, I just kind of fell in love with it, and I got Powerlifting USA magazine. (laughs) I ordered that, started getting it every month, and started looking at – reading all the articles and the training and all that, and so um, started going after school and training myself in powerlifting.
0: So, you were training yourself as a freshman, sophomore in high school?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, after my sophomore year, that's when I started training myself. I went off of the school strength program or whatever and started going into a gym. And uh, when I first went into that gym, it was, a, I guess, I think it was a Gold's gym. Uh, there was about 30 minute drive for me to get to. So, I went over there, and there were like two or three guys that were, um, power lifters in there and they were squatting heavy and mentioned heavy. And I was like, man, it's cool. So I said, you know, can I come over here and learn some stuff from you guys? They are like, yeah. So anyway, they kind of trained, they helped, they helped me out for about two weeks and then they all left the gym and that I had no idea where they went. So there I was almost kind of on my own. And so that's when I started putting, doing my own little programs, just simple, Squat once a week, bench once a week, deadlift once a week. I started doing my own little program and did that for, man, all the way through high school, really. Just kind of trained myself, just doing a basic basic program three days a week.
0: Was there a lot of GPP in that program?
1: A lot of GPP? Yeah. <laughs> no. Just maxing out all the time, right? No, it was really – I really never maxed out, honestly. All I did really was – Most of the time I stayed just sets of five a lot of times. And then I decided to do my first meet at the end of my senior year. I did a bench press meet. And so I saw how they kind of peaked down. And so I did the, you know, started with the sixes and five, then fives and then fours and then threes and then twos and then maxed out, you know, a week before or whatever. So that was my first experience and actually um, going heavy on my own when I started training. Yeah, what did you, I, did you
0: bench at that first
1: meet? The first meet. Let's see. First meet I did four four thirty-five. Sure. So that's what I ended up
0: benching. When did you end up doing your first full power?
1: Um it was after I graduated. It was when I was I was 18 years old. So I turned 18 right after I graduated. And so that summer I did my first powerlifting meet. And It was called the Rose Rock Festival in Norman, Oklahoma. It was a NASA meet. Oh, yeah. And so I went there and did a 777 squat. I benched 435 again, and I deadlifted 633, I think.
0: So So, you're in between senior year going to college. So you're 18 years old. You mm just did your first meet. Did somebody come up to you and tell you that, like, Hey, like you could compete at a world level here. Here's kind of the things you should be doing. Or did you kind of just continue to do your own thing and kind of figure it out for yourself or.
1: Um, I trained, I trained for another uh, few months on my own and did, and did another couple of meets. Actually I did. I trained, it was about another year that I trained on my own and did, I did another NASA meet and then I did, and then I, went to like whatever it was, their worlds or nationals or something. And that's where I did my first 900-pound squat. I did 903, I think, at that meet in the squat. And then it was kind of after that point that I found another gym. as a little hole in the wall just called the gym. And there were like 10 powerlifters there. And that's where I started training there. And they were all lifting USA, P, whatever it is now. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was that organization that go, that goes with IWF or IPF. So anyway, they were all training that. So that's when I switched over and started uh, doing those competitions with those guys. Were you in single ply gear yet or was this all just raw? Um, it was single ply, but it was all stuff I was putting on myself, you know? So I was getting the suits and just kind of putting them on and then I'd have someone help me up, pull the straps up. You know, whenever I got to a gym where people were, I got a little bit tighter suit where they pulled the straps up for me.
0: One of the uh, one of the things that I've realized from talking to a lot of, like, high-level equipped lifters is most of them don't wear super tight gear. Like, it's all stuff. A lot of them trained on their own, too, and they had to be able to get into it. But oh, really? There's very uh, few lifters that I've talked to that didn't like straps that they could put on themselves, um, especially for the deadlift, but even, even for the uh, – even for the squat which is uh it's really interesting cuz there's like nowadays there's kind of two camps so when i got into gear the ones i listened to were like get looser gear get strong in the looser easier gear become a tactician in it like learn how to use it all of that stuff and then like there's other people who are like dude just get something super tight put all those knee wraps on and just <laughs> like figuring it out and it's like that sounds like a death wish I'll, uh, I'll follow with, uh, with this group here but it seems like when i was talking to a lot of like lifters who were around in the early 2000s. So this was even before them, but you kind of just found a crew and whatever they did, you did. And is that kind of what you fell into there?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, the only other, the only issue was they were all taking taking drugs. (laughs) So they're like, man, you need to take this to get strong. I was like, no, I'm good. So I didn't take, I didn't take anything, but they were all, they were all taking stuff. So that was the only difference is I was just staying clean.
0: Was your training looking uh, like doing the same thing, like the linear type of stuff? And how often were you in your gear at this time?
1: Um, I would only, yeah, it was, it really, at that point, I would stay in the, you know, in the fives, nothing more than triples. And then whenever I get ready for meets, you know, the, I, I really just did the typical, you know, two sets of five, there are two weeks of fives, a week of fours, a couple weeks of triples. A week of doubles, and really, I stopped at that point when I was 20 years old. I think I stopped maxing in the gym, so I only started doing. Actually, I never did. Actually, never. St- I didn't do doubles my last three years of powerlifting. I only did triples, so I would go in and work up to heavy triples, and then I would do like heavy walkouts and stuff like that.
0: So did you come to that conclusion just like as your absolute load started coming up? So for people listening who like you squatted a thousand pounds in the mid nineties, like there just weren't many people that were squatting that amount of weight. Um, do you think it was like that absolute load that was just too much to handle, um, in training before a competition? Like, you know, if you try to squat a thousand pounds two weeks before a competition and put a thousand pounds on your back two weeks later, to me, it just sounds insane to do something like that. But, uh, (laughs) Is that something you kind of figured out the hard way?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't really figure it out the hard way. The what I I mean in my mind, of course, I didn't really know what I was doing still. You know, I didn't have didn't have a whole lot of help. But because the guys that were, were training on drugs, they were maxing out all the time. And so I knew I really kind of had to do it different to to stay clean the way I was. And so what I did, what in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna train do the reps. I'm going to save the really heavy stuff for meats. And I don't want to get injured in training. I, I, in my mind, I was like, if I can go in healthy training hard, hitting these reps, if I can go in healthy and feel the weight just on walkouts, then I'm going to bust some weight up. So that was my mindset. And I don't know, you know, honestly, I don't know if, if it helped me or hurt me because I wasn't in powerlifting long enough to really know.
0: I mean, I, I would so, say based off of your finishes at World Championships and your total numbers and stuff like that. I mean, I think hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it, I mean, it sounds and yeah. like ended up uh, working out fine. Was training looking like were you still squatting one day a week, benching one day a week, and deadlifting one day a week, or did your frequency start to change at this point?
1: I really stuck to the three day a week thing most of the time. That's what I did, and it would you know it'd be higher, higher levels, you know, you know, heavy you know, heavy reps, but probably in there about two and a half to three hours on those three days training. So, yeah, but I just, I really believe in, I really believe that rest was important to you.
0: I actually, so I'm 37 years old now and, you know, I did, I played soccer through college and then I did the MMA stuff for over 10 years. So I got into power. Oh, wow and my body just like (laughs) breaking bones and tearing muscles and all that stuff. Like it's been through the ringer, you know? So like one of the things that I've come to realize over time is I only train three days a week now because I actually, I feel the same. I can actually go really hard in the gym, but I can recover, rest up. And I do, uh, you know, I, I do it in a way where like I'll get a lot of squat and deadlift volume at the end of the week. I do, um, a bench setup that's kind of similar to the old school, like metal militia stuff. And then I'll do like a rotating max effort deadlift squat variation type of thing on, on day one. But I, I've just found that like the three days for me is just like, I don't get the little elbow pains and the knee pains. <laughs> and so, all stuff. like, I just, I, I do, I feel a lot better. And I'm kind of curious what, uh, what your days actually looked like three days a week. Um, just to kind of like Jason Beck was another one that I talked to was a world competitor in the early 2000s and he trained three days a week. And I mean, there was a lot of volume, but it sounds like he did almost exactly what you did with like the fives, the fours, um, and just kind of tapered up to, up to a competition. So, I mean, I know it was a long time ago and stuff, but if you could kind of remember what like your day one, your squad day would even like, uh, look like that'd be interesting to hear.
1: I mean, so basically what I tried to do, I tried to stick to a Monday squat, Wednesday bench, Friday deadlift. That was my, that was my normal training schedule and the squats would, I would work up, you know, I'd work up slowly to say I was going to work up to 800 for, you know, four sets of five. Then I would work up slowly, you know, take my time and work up and hit whatever is three or four sets of five as my heavy reps. And then I would do, I would always do like leg press. I even did leg extensions and leg, you know, I did the little, in the gym I would just do the little stuff um, to work some of the little muscles that I thought I might be missing. And then, you know, some, sometimes, you know, walkouts or even sometimes would set up the, you know, the racks to do quarter squats some things like that. So it would be the basic, you know, the basic squat workout with three to four heavy, you know, at my top weight heavy sets and then assistance exercises the rest of the time. And it was the same on bench and deadlift. I would do the same, pretty much the same kind of thing.
0: And did you have any uh, like major injuries through your powerlifting career? Did you stay relatively healthy?
1: Um, In powerlifting, I I stayed pretty healthy. I really didn't have much go on during powerlifting. Yeah. So before we get into the weightlifting stuff, um,
0: so, well, actually, it kind of connects with it, right? So like you built this, when I was talking to Caleb, he had said that, you know, I mean, he squatted over 700 at 148 pounds body weight. So he had just like like this massive amount of strength coming into a sport that that strength needs to be directed very technically into a barbell and he said he was able to cut corners earlier on because of how strong he was, but it ended up coming back and really like he had to take a step back and like stop cutting corners and, um, really focus on his technique and doing the things that were necessary to be a more successful weightlifter. Um, did you have a similar experience? Like, I mean, he wanted, he had Olympic aspirations, and that's my guess why you got into weightlifting because powerlifting wasn't in the Olympics. Um, But did you have a similar experience when you were switching over to sports, switching over to sports?
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say it sounds very similar. So what I did was I broke it down to, you know, I I kept squatting and, and deadlifting at that point when I started power or I started weightlifting. But I, my main focus was just on you know, just getting that, getting the, the bar path down and the movement down for snatching and cleaning jerking. So, I mean, I would spend, I, I changed it to five days a week when I was doing the Olympic lifts and I would do back squat once, one, whenever I was, before I moved to, this is before I moved to the Olympic training center. Um, so I lifted about, what was it? Probably you know, two and a half to three years on my own. Uh, before I moved out there, how old were you at this time? I, I switched over on at at 23 years old. Okay. Is when I switched to Olympic lifting. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so, yep. you, for three years, you did it on your own before you moved to the Olympic training center.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I basically would stick I would I would back squat once a week front squat once a week because I had to get used to the you know the front squat for sure um, and then I just did tons of the first month I only did a, a like a, a PVC pipe for about a month just getting the movement down, snatches and clean clean jerks just movement 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 tons of pause pauses with everything just getting trying to get used to that movement. And then when I felt comfortable with that, I would move to an empty bar and just do the movements over and over. I mean, it's been on for about three months.
0: So you were pretty disciplined in not loading it up right away and really like working on the technical aspects of the list. Did somebody give you the direction to do that? Or you just, you literally figured that out on your own.
1: I did have a, there was a guy there coaching a couple of, at this gym where I was um, coaching a couple of athletes in weightlifting and uh, So I started, he did, he definitely started coaching me and helping me out with that. So yeah, definitely had him helping, which was nice. (laughs) And so he, he said the same thing. He was like, man, you got to just break it down and get these down first. And that was, I mean, for me, it was really hard to do going from powerlifting and slinging all this weight around to, to sitting here trying to fall down with a, with a bar falling backwards and falling forward and feeling like crap and shooting you know having just a bar make you feel like feel terrible but i just kept thinking in my mind i've got to do this before i start trying any heavyweight because i know it'd feel like crap if i don't do this so i stuck with it
0: so you're (laughs) you're showing a maturity level in an athlete that you just like People aren't like that nowadays. Like if they don't hit a five-pound PR in a week at 23 years old, they're crying on and on I know. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm just kind of curious, like personality wise, like was it just like coaches growing up playing football, playing other sports, like that you were just that gave this like discipline to be able to go through that? I mean, that had to be frustrating as hell, switching over yeah. from a sport you're a world champion and then using a broomstick that's throwing you
1: around. I mean, it was tough, but I really did have my eye on the prize. I was like, "I'm gonna make this 2000 Olympic team." So it was '96 when I when I switched over after watching the Olympics, and I was like, "I'm gonna make this next Olympic team," and I just had my mind on it. And uh, you know, just encouragement from the coach that was helping out and other other people. They're like, "Man, you got to just do this right. You can't just jump into it." And so the first the first three months was was hard, and then I started throwing weight on the bar. And, you know, it it became really hard at that point too, just because as the weight went up, I I would revert back to bending my arms and, you know, and, and going back to more powerlifting stuff. And then it really came down to my very first meet, which was five months after I started doing the Olympic lifts, went to my first meet it was a state meet here in Oklahoma and I, I muscled up my first snatch, which was what 140 kilo, 308 pounds. i kind of muscled it up and it was sloppy and I had to kind of walk all over the platform. I threw it down. So then I went to 150 kilos and tried to do it. So I tried to muscle it up too, and it wasn't even close. And so then I thought, you know what, I better, You know, all this technique I've been working on to keep my arms straight (laughs) and keep my body in this weird position and stuff. I'm going to try it. So I went out and I tried it and it popped in place and felt weightless. And so at that point, at my first meet is when I realized that I could do it, but I was going to have to do things, have a whole different mindset with heavy weight. Because, you know, I went, out, I went out with a powerlifting mentality at that first meet. With my first lift, I was like, you know, all psyched up and grabbed the bar. And it was just so sloppy. And then I did it with my second one. And the next one, I kind of kept my kept on my psych inside and put it into the bar and the movement. And it worked. So, so that's really the point that I realized I'm going to have to have a whole different approach to Olympic lifting from powerlifting.
0: So, as you started getting into training for weightlifting, um, what would you say some of the, like, I mean, obviously learning the technique of new movements and stuff like that, especially like highly technical movements, in your early 20s is not the easiest thing to do, but what were some of the, like, biggest changes you had to make to your training um, from training powerlifting
1: into um, weightlifting? Some of them were trying to do a set every two minutes. <laughs> powerlifting I was waiting 10 minutes you know how that is yep. Um. so I was trying to train I tried to always train because I knew you had to follow yourself a lot especially someone you know that was going to be lifting heavier like me was going to have to follow himself at, at all of meets so, so I started training with a two minute with a two minute clock kind of in between my sets so that became pretty hard the other things I would say were you know, a lot more reps, tons of reps. And instead of doing fives on it, you know, I mean, I still did fives all time on squats for, you know, when I was, when I was doing that, but like, as far as snatches and clean jerks, I really most of the time stuck with singles and doubles on my sets. Rarely I would hit triples on the sets, but that was, that was a lot different as well. And then just everything on the movements, everything just had to be, explosive fast but also being patient it was really hard for me to be patient with a pull so when i'm sitting here when you're pulling and realizing you have to finish but you have to go under as fast as you can at the same time so learning that patience was pretty hard too
0: the um what were some of the maybe similarities between the training between weightlifting and uh And powerlifting. So I I know you were doing like three days a week. So your frequency was much lower. And of course, weightlifting tends to come with a higher frequency. Um, But when I started powerlifting, Shaco was my coach for three years. So he had that weightlifting background. So we did a lot of like weird pauses in various positions of the lifts, the technique, the frequency, the reps were... Lower there were more sets, less reps to work on that technical efficiency of the power lifts and stuff. And um, so I guess a better question would be: did you learn anything in weightlifting that you think you could have applied to powerlifting that would have made you a better power
1: lifter at that time? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think the amount of volume. I realized my body could handle more. So honestly, I don't think I pushed myself as hard as I could have in powerlifting. But of course, if I would have stuck with it, you know, I it would have been a lot different, you know, when I was 30 years old than when I was 20 years old. Um, but, but as far as that, I, I, I think I could have, I could have trained harder, honestly, for powerlifting. That's I one of that's- the things.
0: Hindsight's always 2020, 20, like I said before. And like I don't know, it's just like a fun thing to uh to think about. So you did a couple of weightlifting meets and then you got invited to the Olympic Training Center?
1: Yeah. So I went to I went to the American Open and this was about eight, I think eight months, maybe nine months after I started lifting and got third there it was pretty slo it was it was fairly sloppy like I almost passed out and I'm on one of the cleans and some guy caught me when I was falling off about to fall off the stage and crap you know so you know, I just experienced all this stuff and and but anyway, it was good because I finished third and hit some pretty big weight and no one had ever heard of me before and they were like, man and like uh then then I went to nationals I qualified for nationals and this was probably oh almost a year after I started training, maybe, actually it wasn't that long. It was probably 10 months after I started training is when I went to nationals and Ed Cohen actually came and helped me at that one. He showed up to Minnesota and was in the back with me and all that. So so he got to see that whole difference too, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. He was with me in powerlifting. And so he got to come and see that, that different change. But anyway, at, at nationals, I, I could have done better, but I did pretty well, and I won. So I won the first nationals that I went to in uh, 1997, it was. So I don't know, man. At that point, when, after that is when the national coach, Dragomir, who was my coach the whole rest of my career, Dragomir Saroslin, he came up to me and invited me out to the training center for a camp. And so I went out for like three weeks, tried it out, And, uh, I mean, I liked it, but I went home and trained for another six or eight months. I don't know, something like that and however long it was. And then I, he just kind of kept talking to me about it and all that. And then finally I gave in in 1998 and, uh, so I guess it was about two years after I started. That's when I went out there and moved out there full time. Who else
0: was out there at the, uh, at the same time?
1: When I moved out there, um, Wes Barnett, Pete Kelly, Tim McRae, those were the three really top lifters that, and that's one of the reasons I decided to move out there is because when I was out there at like a camp and everything, I watched these guys lift and I was like, I need to lift like these guys. So I need to be out here imitating them with my strength. If I can imitate their technique, then I can really go somewhere. And so that's one of the reasons I ended up moving out there is because these other guys that were out there.
0: So you were in a group with these other guys and, um, you know, one of the things that I think in powerlifting, especially, I don't have like a lot of background in weightlifting or in any sport, it's the people you were around tend to be the ones that really like push you to, they hold you accountable. They push you to be your best. And they, um, you know, I don't know of many people who could do it by themselves. Um you know, maybe you could kind of discuss the group dynamics of uh being out there at the Olympic Training Center and if there's any like I love crazy stories about like people just <laughs> competing and training and stuff like that too. So any of that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, but I mean out there it was just the competition all the time with us and that and that's one thing that just really pushed me. That you know, there was no one lifting what I lifted <laughs> because I was the you know, the heavyweight, but everybody was, you know, competing against their own PRs and all this stuff. And so, I mean, just every day, man, it was just a you know, some of, heavy, some of them would go heavy, some of them would go heavy and, and it was just, I mean, it was such a good dynamic out there and it pushed me to be able to do some of the, you know, some of the things that I did, like went long when I was out first out there that I, I ended up loading, I found some 100-pound plates, and I ended up loading, getting 850 pounds on the bar. And this is the heaviest I ever went after powerlifting. So I put 850 pounds on the bar, and I was like, man, I'm going to do See if I can get this. So everybody was watching. And, you know, this is no belt or anything. And so I took it back, squatted it, and it was so easy that I ended up doing it like 12 times. I ended up doing like 12 reps with it. (laughs) And it was just like the psych of everything everybody – yelling and pumping you know pumping me up and all that so I don't know because I never went heavier than that I don't know if during my career as weightlifting just because I was squatting three times a week I was back squatting twice a week front squatting once and I don't know if that the volume and all that made me stronger I mean if I could have went and you know squatted 1100 pounds at that point I don't really know but you know just some crazy things like that happened during the time it was fun
0: And you guys were all basically doing the same program, right? With like, Dragomir would kind of just give you, well, you need to work on this, you need to work on this, but in general, it was basically the same program.
1: It was, it was pretty much, it was pretty much the same, but we would work, I would work a little bit different just because of my size and the amount of weight I was lifting. So everybody else, we would work twice a work out twice a day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Everybody else was also working out once a day, Tuesday and Saturday. So it was five days a week, uh, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday and Saturday. So we would have two days off a week. But I would, uh, a lot of times I would skip or just go really light on the Saturday workout. Just for my volume when other guys would be going heavy. And still, and hitting a lot of reps and stuff on those day, on that day, I would take it more easy and just come in and do a lot of technique work. And so I switched it up a little bit.
0: And your other days are basically the same as theirs though? Just the Saturday was a lot more technique work?
1: Yeah, they were. But the thing that I, I didn't, I did on, you know, as far as this kind of lifting too with weightlifting, I also did not do a lot of maxing out like other people, especially on squats. I never... I mean, I was like I said, the 850 was the heaviest I went on squat, and the heaviest I ever front squatted was I went up to 300 kilos for a triple, and I just never really needed to really max out on the on squats anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't really need to squat a 1,000 pounds anymore. I just need to be strong enough to stand up with a clean.
0: <laughs> right. No, and it makes a lot of sense, and it makes a lot of sense why your Saturdays are more technique work. You had such a high baseline level of strength that, like, pushing those strength numbers even more, probably there's a point of diminishing returns there, right, where there's a recovery cost without necessarily the reward of getting better. So, like, it makes sense to me where you started the sport, you know, early 20s is pretty late in terms of weightlifting, to get that extra technique, repetition, and stuff, and um, would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: I would. Absolutely.
0: So you're at the Olympic Training Center, and then you make the Olympic team in 2000, and then you yep. made it in 2004. Uh, right. Maybe you could kind of explain, or maybe kind of just talk about your experiences. I mean, it's the freaking Olympics, man.
1: Yeah. So in 2000. Only two guys got to go to the Olympics because, you know, there was a, you know, the ranking system and, and USA were pretty, haven't been the greatest in uh, finishing at Worlds. And so we only qualified two guys for the Olympics. and And then the weight to weight ratio thing they came up with for all the weight classes, I was ranked fourth going into the 2000 trials. And so I knew I had to hit some pretty big weight. But luckily me going last was, you know, that's what I live for. I live for putting me on the spot and letting me have the moment. So um, that's just how I've always been, man. So anyway, you know, as you go, as the weight goes up, you go out and weightlifting. So I knew that I was going to have, be able to put on whatever on the bar I needed to be able to make the team. And so I just, man, that was just an awesome moment to be able to load up. It was like a, I don't know, I think it was seven and a half kilo PR that I had to load up to clean jerk to make the team. And so I loaded it up and knocked it out. And it was just a big moment, man, to know that I made that team. And then, of course, being in the Olympics, you know, it was just a lot bigger thing than I ever thought. It was just huge. And walking in, I got to walk in the opening ceremonies. I decided to do that. Just walking out there in that crowd and just seeing all the American flags and everybody yelling for us. It was just a huge you know, I worked for this, you know, I'm going to enjoy this. And it was just awesome. But when it came to competition time, it was pretty much the most stressful thing I've ever been through in my life. You know, I realized how big this was and how much pressure was on me. So in the, I weighed in, had two hours before the competition started and so from that way in until the till going into the warm up room, I went through every emotion I could possibly think of. I mean, at one point I was like, How can I get out of here and fake an injury just because I can't do this? You know, and for me to be going through that, that was just really unusual. But by the time it was time for the warm up room, I was ready to go. So how did you finish in
0: the first Olympics?
1: I finished tenth place. So I was able to break, I was able to get all three of my snatches in. So I broke two American records in the snatch and one in the total. So, which were my records anyway. So I hit, I hit three PRs at the Olympics. So for me, that was pretty, I was pretty happy with that.
0: So you're coming off of a 10th place finish, hitting some PRs, some American records, it's time to get back to training. What were some of the like focal points coming off of that first Olympics that you felt you needed to work on to do better at the next one?
1: Um I felt like I needed my technique to be better. There were just some things that that I needed to be able to work on. And one one of them was just being able to go under the bar with cleans. I had this I still had this fear of injury for some reason. And it kept with me, I mean the first four four or five years of my weightlifting career of just jumping under the bar and you know and and getting injured. And I did do that once. I mean I I you know jumped under the bar and I didn't get my elbows up and this was in nineteen ninety nine and my elbows hit my knees and dislocated both my both of my wrists. Oh shit. You know, and so so I mean just there's just there's just so I mean, you know, you know, the Olympic list, I mean, you do something wrong and it can go bad really fast. And so getting that stuff out of your mind and not letting it, not letting yourself think about that and just worrying about hitting your technique and maxing, putting every bit of max effort into this thing. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard. It's, a, it's such a mind game. I know powerlifting, powerlifting is too, but not as much.
0: So you it's were more nervous much. for a heavy clean and jerk than you would be for a thousand pound squat
1: absolutely way different.
0: Do you think part of it was cause you said like in powerlifting, you were like, you know, screaming, like getting all fired up and stuff, but you had to have more of a, a calm aggression to you in terms of like weightlifting. So do you think a lot of that was just trying to learn how to harness that mental energy in a, in a positive manner for that athletic performance?
1: I mean, part of it could be cause it was, you know, it, it was hard to learn that and also to be able to feel that energy because when I was powerlifting, I would get so psyched that I could feel like I could do anything. And in weightlifting to be able to feel that same way but not let it come out, you know, and not let it mess your lift up was pretty difficult. And so it was it was hard to keep that keep that intensity kind of reined in, I would say, inside and then put it into the bar only. Yeah,
0: I would weird. imagine, too, with having to repeat yourself, especially with the heavier weights like that. Like, even if you were able to have that, like, that moment where you're just, like, having the adrenaline surge through to have then a two-minute break and then have to do it again would be near impossible. So <laughs> There has to be, like, a much more controlled aggression to it. Um, and, like, I'm just going through my head how, like, like trying to think at like how I would handle a situation like that. But I could see that being like, you know, it's like when you're wrestling or doing the MMA stuff, like if you get like that, like the first minute you might feel invincible, but then all of a sudden your heart feels like it's going to come out of your chest. <laughs> your lungs feel like they can't expand anymore and you just run out of gas. Oh um, man, I bet. So, you know, I can see how that could be a very like different and difficult change um, in terms of terms of competing. Um, but I would imagine in the second Olympics, that one got that got a little better. Um, you're probably more mentally in tune with the lifts. You weren't probably as in awe of the moment of being in the Olympics since you've done it before. Um, maybe you can talk about the second experience there.
1: Yeah, it was a little different feel in the second Olympics, but also felt more pressure because I mean, I wanted to get in the medals on this one. So I, I, of course, you know, to be able to do that, I opened up really heavy and just had huge, heavy goals to be able to do. And, you know, I, I did break three more American records. was it three at, yeah, at the 2004 Olympics, but you know, I didn't, my snatches didn't go well. And for some reason, I I got my opening snatch and it felt a little heavy going in place. And so then I was going for a, you know, a new American record on my second attempt. And man, it just did not move right. I didn't move the weight right. And it didn't go in place. And so either one, the, this, the number two and number three lifts, I just couldn't get them in place. It kind of reverted back to, I actually, I mean, after all these years of training, it kind of felt more like I was trying to muscle it up. It was really weird. And so it just didn't get up, up where it needed to go to. But then I came back on clean jerks and was able to bust out a big clean jerk and ended up finishing seventh, which was a good improvement, but it wasn't where I needed to be, you know, not where I wanted to be.
0: The one thing about like a sport like weightlifting, because it is in the Olympics, so in powerlifting, you can have a bad meet, you can get back on the platform in a few months. Worlds happens every year. You know, I get the world games every four years, but you get all these moments of redemption if you want. where the Olympic games come every four years. um, I mean, you you busted your ass for almost 10 years to get to that point to be like you were saying, to try to muscle up a snatch, like you were doing earlier in your career. Um, You know, maybe you can just kind of like speak about like, you know, we, we often just stick to the positives, right. About the like negative mental piece of handling such a frustrating outcome I would imagine like me personally, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I know I'd be freaking upset for a long period of time after that, without that opportunity of redemption. And, um, you know, I think it's a great perspective and a great experience that you've had that, you know, a lot of people probably need to
1: hear. Yeah. I mean, of course it was disappointing, but what I tried to look at was more than to let myself not feel depressed about it. I looked at the positive side. I was like, dude, I, you know, I, Clean jerk, 523 pounds. That's most of it were clean jerks. So I had a, so I was like, I did have a pretty good day, <laughs> even though I felt terrible on snatches. So I mean, for me, I had to start looking at that, and then I was like, okay, I'm 32 years old. I guess I'm gonna have to start training for the 2008 games. You know. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna start seeing if I can, if I can keep my body together, because I need to do this again. And so, I, you know, I kind of planned if I did really well that I was going to re- retire right after that. But instead, I decided I was going to try to push and see if I could, could go another four because I really wanted a medal. But I did it for another year. And during that year, you know, at that age, my body just started hurting. I mean, my back, my lower back was going out all the time in training. There was just a lot of things that were starting to happen that, you know, I could tell the, and for the Olympic list, it just put so much pressure on, on your joints and everything. I mean, it's just hard. And so I started just feeling all that. And I realized, I realized that it, I wasn't going to be able to go for another four. So that's when I decided at the, that, I, that the 2005 nationals and so it was the national championships and the Pan Am championships that were all together that year. And I decided I was going to go win that be on top and I was going to quit and never compete again after winning that. So I did, I went and won nationals, won Pan Am championships and quit. (laughs) And I, you know, I still to this day, I think is the right move. I wanted to quit while I was on top. I didn't want to see myself really start going downhill and try to be this guy that was just constantly injured and so that's what that's the decision I had to make and I'm glad that I did.
0: It's nice that you were able to get that, you know, redemption being at the Pan Am games and stuff. Um I'm curious what that moment was like when you realized that it was over. Cuz like I would I mean this is the strength sports were a part of your life from the time you were a freaking kid you know 14 years old in high school 13 years old all the way up through your you know you're in your mid about your mid-30s at this point what was that moment like and was there like this void that you knew you'd have to fill somehow
1: yeah you know and I had thought about that all before of course but I just I just started looking at the future you know what's going to happen now you know now I'm going to be able to you know, find someone, settle down and have kids. You know, I was like, I kept looking, okay, I want to, I want a, you know, I'm going to have to have a totally change my life around, have a new life and have a new focus for my life because that's all that I had done. I didn't care about anything else except lifting during that time. And so, you know, I mean, that's just what it was. And so, um, one thing I found was after I, I mean, during my, during the last few years of my, of weightlifting, I became really good friends with a guy named Daryl Scott and his daughter was the first one killed in the Columbine shootings in Colorado. When that happened, you know, the first real big school shooting. And so he had started a program that he was going around and talking to schools and just doing, uh, a really good positive character education program about her life and stuff. And so I became really good friends with him and I went with him a few times and watched him do it and just saw how her story and the story that he had come up with really impacted kids. And so that was my first thing is I went out for, I went out for like three or four years just talking to, you know, talked to over a thousand schools during that time and just incorporate a little bit of my story in with her story and just doing that program. And so that was like my, my first thing that, you know, that was my focus after I, after I retired, got my mind off of lifting.
0: Do you do anything with the, like, do you still maybe go into your basement and just like pump a few set of curls or something every, every once in a while? <laughs> or have you not touched a weight kind of since
1: that moment? Um, You know, after about three years after retiring, I, ended up um starting to train kind of heavy again and i got up to snatching 140 kilos and cleaning jerking like 180 and i was like man maybe i'll start competing again but then my back started going out again (laughs) and i was like no i'm not but you know now to this day i i still do i mean my knees are pretty shot now everything else feels good but I've had to have my my meniscus. I've had to have those things trimmed up several times, and it just it's really affects my my depth on squats. So I do I still power clean and power snatch and do things like that. And I'm getting actually back into bench pressing again. So so I'm working out, but it's just a lot different.
0: You just need a pair of bigger knee wraps. A nice tight squat, dude. <laughs> hold everything in place. Get back on that uh, on that platform.
1: Um, well, man, I mean, hey, if I use a monolith where I don't have to walk it out like everybody else and do a half squat then with all these suits on, I probably could still squat. Yeah, see, now we're talking. <laughs> no.
0: Do you do any so, coaching or anything nowadays, or do you just kind of – you're kind of pretty far removed from it?
1: Um, You know, I have done – over the past 10 years, I've I've done a lot of clinics for CrossFit athletes. <laughs> and coaches for Olympic lifting, I came up with a, you know, with a, with a one day program that, um, that I teach from the ground up Olympic lifting snatches and clean jerks just from the ground up. And I, I've, you know, I've probably done that 50 to 60 times around. And I still enjoy doing those teaching, teaching Olympic lifts, to people who really need it. And then I also, you know, I have three kids now Um, my two sons are the youngest ones, eight and one's five, but the eight-year-old really wants to be a weightlifter. So we're starting to do snatches and clean jerks with, with, uh, PVC pipes and stuff like that now. So, Hey, it's kind of going into my kids now and I'm kind of excited about that.
0: I think one advantage that the Eastern Europeans always had on us in weightlifting was they started at like eight years old. So maybe he'll end up being the first one to, to take home that, uh, that metal. <laughs>
1: hey, you never know, man. Okay. He's got big goals. He's like, man, I'm going to be like you dad. Like he just really wants to, wants to. And so I'm like, Hey man, if you really keep wanting to do this, I'll, I'll train you on it.
0: Oh so. yeah. that's Awesome. Um, so you had mentioned Ed Cohen's name and I'm kind of curious. So like, I mean, all your years participating in weightlifting and powerlifting, I I can only imagine how many, especially like in the nineties, powerlifting was a very like niche community driven sport. Um, and I would imagine weightlifting was probably like that as well. Um, maybe you could talk about like, I obviously Dragomir had a major impact on you as a weightlifter. Um, but it sounds like Ed Cohen had a major impact on you as a powerlifter and maybe some other people who kind of, um, you could kind of maybe touch on some people that kind of helped you along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that was when I first came in the sport, you know, I said I got Powerlifting USA and started reading it. And so it was always Anthony Clark, um, Ed Cohen, Kirk Kowalski. You know, these guys were in there and, and, you know, there were a lot of other big names that I really looked up to, but I ended up probably my, it was my, maybe my third powerlifting to me and I got to meet Anthony Clark and sit down with him and everything. And that was, he was a pretty big influence on me, man. He just, I was like, man, he's just a really good guy. And I just, you know, like the way he does stuff. And so I really liked him. And then when I got into USAP, you know, USA powerlifting, and and, uh, got to be really good friends with Ed Cohen and Kirk Kowalski. And these guys really had a big influence on me too. They were just really encouraging to me, always really supported me. And, still do i still talk to those guys on facebook a lot and it's just they have made a really big impact on me
0: one of the um one of the things that i think like current day powerlifting misses is be- i don't know if it's the internet's fault or you know raw lifting's fault in general or you know i'm half joking there but um <laughs> it's it's a sport without role models where it seems to be driven by like the 22 year old kid who's the strongest. And it doesn't necessarily lead to sometimes the greatest community oriented sporting event. Um, but I think back in the day, and like, I've met a lot of like, I've had Vincentello on this, on this podcast, um, you know, and like it just seems like there's just a different attitude and a different culture that, came about from like I went to in October, I went to West Side and hung out with Louis for an entire weekend and like mm. his passion for the sport and he didn't give a shit who I was. He coached me up. He helped me out. He took me to breakfast. We had conversations. Um and it was just like you know Shaco was always the same way with me and stuff, but he was coaching me at the time. And like just that older generation just there's just something about it. And it just reminds me of like playing sports growing up where the ones who are just better and older and they just passed down these lessons and stuff. So what mm-hmm. I kind of like to hear from you is for you to pass down some of those lessons. Like if you had to talk to a 22 year old kid getting into the sport for the first time or 20 years old, and he just has no perspective and no experience about the long-term strength development and, competitiveness and you know maybe if what would you tell that that athlete
1: and really one of the things I would say is you you're never too good to learn man I mean that's one thing that I think a lot of people a lot of people get to the point where they only listen to one person and so I had that you know there were clicks and weightlifting and clicks and powerlifting always but I'm like, I can learn from everybody. I can learn something from no matter who it is. I can learn something from any of these people. And so I just say one of the big things is open yourself up. Be willing to learn something because if you may hear something from somebody that you don't necessarily like, but it's gonna help you be better. So listen to it. And don't don't just knock everybody. Plus another thing is don't be don't be so cocky because there's always somebody out there that's better. And that's something I've always tried to do. I've always tried to be, you know, a guy who's humble. Um, you know, I feel like I was a pretty good lifter, but I don't think I'm the best lifter ever. And, you know, and even in the US, I'd never want to call myself the world's strongest man or anything, or, you know, because I'm not. I mean, there's so many different sports. Uh, I mean, I respect everybody in powerlifting and a uh, strong man and weightlifting you know, all these different sports, everybody's so strong in different ways. And, and so, um, just really, man, respect everybody, respect their sport. And I think you'll go a lot further and people, you know, won't hate you as much. (laughs) 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 You know, one of the, it's been interesting because, you know, this, this might be a funny story for you. So I'm, I'm in oil and gas industry now and I'm in sales. And so. It was about, I think about four years ago now, that I was trying to get into Devon Energy in Oklahoma City. And so I got a hold of a guy and we had a meeting and uh, we started talking a little bit and and uh, lifting came up. And he said, man, one of the guys that works for me, is a lifter. I said, really, what's his name? He said, Blaine Sumner, he's a power lifter. I said, really? I said, "Well, we need to talk." And so, anyway, ended up he ended up taking me up to Blaine's office, and and Blaine knew who I was, and I knew who he was because I had, you know, seen his stuff, you know, seen him already starting to really take off. And anyway, we just became me and uh, Blaine, and I became really good friends over the time, and he was, you know, helped me out as a customer, and he was one of my customers and he really helped me out and get into different areas and stuff and and at work. And so we had a lot of really good conversations, and it was really cool for him because he really wanted to kind of learn from what I had done in the past and everything, too, and he was really open and just really wanted to ask a lot of questions, and I thought that was pretty cool. He's just a really cool guy. I like him a lot.
0: That's – you know, I love hearing that. I mean, Blaine Sumner is the – the best heavyweight single ply yeah. lifter currently. Right. Yeah. And like the fact that he's so willing to like, he's, uh, he's not driven by his ego that he's too good to listen to advice from somebody else. And like, I don't know, he, like me personally, he's somebody that I've always rooted for in the sport. Cause I think he's just, he goes about his business. He's got the right attitude and things. And like, I was at this, I had a lifter that competed at the Arnold this past March. So there weren't like many spectators and all that stuff. Mm I saw his 1135 squat from 10 feet away. And it was just like (laughs) one of the most amazing feats of strength. You know, I've, I've, I've been there at the same Arnold competition where Ray hit his 1069 raw squat and stuff. But like, there's just something about walking out a squat when like you're the size of the side (laughs) of a house and you're walking out 1100 pounds and squatting it in gear like that. Like, I don't know. To me, it was one of the most impressive things I've ever witnessed. That's awesome, man. In my life. That's cool. So one other question that I have on here about perspective and experience. So looking back on your between powerlifting and weightlifting, um, what are some of the things you wished you knew then that, you know, now in terms of, you know, preparation and, you know, even, um, you know, mentally and physically and all of that stuff.
1: Hmm. Well, I, you know, I had talked before here about training, and so there, there's just a lot of times that I wonder if I train hard enough, especially on the Olympic lifts, because, like I said, I didn't max out a lot. And I know that I know that drug-free training is different than you know training not drug-free, and so I kind of looked at it as I need to undertrain a little bit. To prevent injuries so that I can be 100% and I, I followed this all during my weightlifting career as well. I needed I need to undertrain a little bit so I can be 100% healthy at competition. So sometimes I wonder if I did it wrong, honestly, and if I could have lifted more if I would have just hit heavier weight all the time, but then it may have really ruined my career too. I mean, so I don't know. Just sometimes I sit back and think, did you know? Did I learn something or did I not? But I don't know. I just, the learning thing, is, I mean, it's just a lot of questions, honestly, for me. But I can't be, I can't look back and be disappointed because I do think I did pretty well, you know, pretty decent for a career. But could it have been better? It's just one of those things when I think back a lot.
0: What's interesting is when you... Are looking back. So most people that I've talked to when they're looking back, they're like, man, I wish I took better care of my body. I wish like they literally say they wish that they did what you did, basically being a little bit more conservative. yeah, (laughs) staying healthy and stuff. And it's just funny to hear somebody who actually took that approach and they're like, man, I I wonder what would have happened if I just (laughs) pushed a little harder. And I think it's just, it's something that's just always in the mind of a competitive athlete. Like what could I have done to get better? And it's why like you were so open to listen to other people. Um, You see it in Blaine. It's why he's so open to hear what other people have to say because they don't care about anything else except doing better. And it's always this like, this cycle of you perform, you analyze, you assess, you plan, you perform, you analyze, you assess, you perform, and it just keeps going around and around and around. And, you know, at some point it ends and there's always going to be always going to be questions and, you know, what ifs. And I don't know. I think that's what being alive, being alive fun, but I, I don't think anybody would look at your, your strength career and be like, man, he he underachieved, you know, he's about a thousand pounds in the nineties, man. He competed in two Olympics. I mean, you switched over to a sport that like you're competing against guys who were, who learned how to do that sport when they were eight years old, you know, and you're on that same platform. Like there's something to be said about that. Like it doesn't matter where, where you finished, like you closed a massive gap at some point in order to even be there. And like, to me, that's the most amazing thing. Part of that story is like, you know, most weightlifters are peaking at 26 years old. You're in your second Olympics at 32. Like, that's uh, that, <laughs> it, that's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, uh, would think, man. So I know you're not huge on social media or whatever, because um, I looked you up on Instagram. There's like one, one, <laughs> <photo> one. <those. laughs> I know, I know. But if people wanted to perhaps like reach out and ask you questions about lifting mm-hmm. and. Um maybe just shoot the shit about strength training. Are there any places that they could find you?
1: Well, I mean either on Instagram or Facebook. I'm act you know, I, I do check out Instagram, but I'm I'm old. I'm on Facebook. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, old people do Facebook. So I'm always on there, man. I'm always I'm always willing to talk to anybody.
0: That's awesome. And I I greatly appreciate, appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, I was pretty excited that uh, when Josh was like, Hey, you want to talk to Shane Hammond? I was like, (laughs) yeah, you're fucking serious. (laughs) Of course I do. (laughs) Uh, So that's great. I appreciate you taking the time to do this.
1: Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Good talking to you, man. And good luck with everything. Thanks for having me on.
0: I uh, appreciate it. And guys, you can follow me on Instagram. It's KWCan. Since I'm a little bit younger than Shane, I actually use it quite frequently. <laughs> and our team, Precision Powerlifting Systems. Stay strong, Boston.